Hello, it is Melissa. I am the founder of A Yogi Kitchen and Pantry. Welcome to Off the Mat. Today is November 23rd, and some of you are with family. Some of you are on the road, getting ready to spend a long weekend with family. Um, If you choose to celebrate this holiday, which I do not, um, this is a day and a weekend that can be really filled with lots of stuff, lots of family stuff, lots of past traumas coming up. And if you're someone who doesn't celebrate this holiday, it could be cultural trauma that's coming up today. So I was just thinking about um, what that means in terms of our practice off the mat. Like how do we walk through when things are difficult? And I picked a card for the week. I actually picked it last week, but we're gonna hold on to it. Um, If you read the blog, at a yogikitchen.wordpress.com. You may have read about it, but I thought let's talk about it today. And the front of the card is I am enough now. I've been tossing that phrase around a bunch in my head, kind of, I don't know, swishing it around in my mouth. I am enough now. And I like that. I like that variation of it. I have said often, if you've been to my classes, and I think I've said it here not so long ago, how often I encourage my students, my private clients to really be present with who they are in the moment and love that person with all the flaws, with all the stuff. If you're having uncomfortable feelings right now, love it anyway. You're practicing yoga and something releases and all of a sudden you're feeling angry. Love it. Love yourself for being able to connect with your emotions, for being true to yourself, for not stuffing it down. And I often say, you are enough. And I say, you are worthy. Your worthiness is not connected to the numbers on your house or the emblem on your car the neighborhood you live in, the numbers on the scale, the numbers on your bank statement, the letters behind your name. We are worthy because we breathe. You are worthy right now in this moment without anything ever changing about you. Now, it doesn't mean you can't decide you want to lose 10 pounds or you can't decide you want to aim for that next promotion. But it doesn't make you more worthy. It might be gratifying because your promotion will allow you to reach more people in your job, to allow you to be of better service. That 15 pounds may mean your knees won't hurt so much. Or like me, I have some insulin issues. So 15 pounds would probably shift my insulin issues. It's not going to change my worthiness. And I think we do this a lot. And it's what happens with our disappointments in life is we feel like, oh, I'm going to put on this dress because I just lost 15, 20, 50 pounds, whatever the number is. And I look great. And I'm going to go to some party and show off my, my figure. And this is very, I don't know what the word is, very sexist, I guess. I I don't know what the word is, but it's problematic. But it's a good example because lots of us have thought it and it it shows up in our our world, in our society a lot. Um, And then, so that happens. 
And maybe there's a little bit of satisfaction around it. But then there's like a letdown. Same thing if you if you buy, I don't know, you, you get the uh, that, that condo in the neighborhood that you really wanted and it's a beautiful condo and it's nice and you're happy that you're there and you love your new house, but there's something missing still. And what I think it is, is we expected ourselves to be different because of this outside factor. We expected because our dress size went down, we would be different. We expected because there's a new address, it would be different. And the letdown is, oh, I'm still me. And what is so excruciating to me about that is you're still you. And that was a beautiful thing 20 pounds ago or at the last apartment. And it's a beautiful thing today and people can't see it. So I love the idea, I'm enough now to remind us right now, you're enough. So I want you to breathe into that. Really relax yourself into it, especially as we're going into these holidays. If you don't celebrate this day like I don't, you will probably be seeing family sometime in the next month, five weeks or so, whether it's, you know, Hanukkah's coming up, whether it's just, hey, we're not getting together for the holidays, but let's get together like, you know, December 16th, because it's the season. So it doesn't have to be for an actual holiday, although I kind of think December 16th might be Hanukkah. Um, but anyway, uh, you're going you're gonna to see family. And so going into this time when it gets so easy to get kicked back into your old self. I can't tell you how many times I would talk to my mom. I'm a full-ass grown-up woman. And I will revert back to my teenage self when I'm dealing with family. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And how embarrassing it is for me, how much shame I have around that, how many times I say to myself after the fact, Melissa, why didn't you just bite your tongue? Why didn't you just say, sorry, you feel that way or whatever it is, or yes, I accept responsibility for my bad behavior and thank you for loving me anyway. Like whatever it is, because my mom was a nitpicker and so she would pick on me a lot and not and it, in my view, it'd be interesting to talk to my siblings about this, but not my siblings. I'm the firstborn daughter of a firstborn daughter. So it was, you know, that's a tough road to hoe sometimes. Um, or so. I don't know what the, word, the phrase is. But um, so I just want you to breathe into the idea of you are enough right now. You are beautiful and perfect just the way you are. And again, it doesn't mean that you don't want to lose that 15 pounds to make your knees feel better or whatever it is. But that it doesn't change your worthiness. I'm worthy with my achy knees and the scale that says the number that it does. And I will be at the same amount of worthiness when my knees don't hurt so much and the scale says something different. That's just the extra stuff. That's not about my heart. That's not about the love and compassion and kindness that flows through me and that I bring up heart over body or mind because in yoga, we believe that's where we connect with that divine energy. That's where the connection that we're so craving goes. 
And so it's all about that Anahata chakra work. Okay, the flip side of the card. And this is one of the reasons I'm, I just have such a woman crush on Trisha Hersey is that she speaks my language. And if you know me at all, you'll, you'll know that this um, sounds like me. So the flip side of the card says, the deprogramming from the brainwashing of grind culture begins in the quiet and powerful truth of your inherent self-worth. You are enough now. Can you slowly begin to believe this in the deepest parts of your heart and mind? Speak these words over and over again. Say them out loud. I am enough now. I can rest now. So I love that she kind of, and she speaks about it very blatantly in the book, but in this card, she sort of touches on the idea of sleeping when I'm dead, that you haven't earned your rest. And she speaks about it very directly in the book, but you can rest now because you are enough now. And when we're go, 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 we're often trying to prove something, whether it's external or internal, we're proving something to someone. And often when it's internal, it's you're proving I am enough. I can drop the weight. I can save the money and get that number in your bank account or the stocks in your portfolio. I can do the promotion. I can become partner. I can, you know, you're pushing yourself to prove to yourself that the things that you've heard, and for a lot of us, it's the damage that we heard in our childhoods. I was talking with someone about this idea that, um, I was, okay, I was at, I don't even know where I was. I was in a store and there was a kid and we've all done this, whether it's, you know, the kid in front of you on an airplane or whatever. If you're at all child oriented, you've seen some kid and either they're just so cute, you can't like resist, or there's a kid who's like screaming and crying and you're just trying to like, whatever it is, you're trying to quiet the room or you're trying to like help this mom a little bit. You start waving at the kid and smiling and making faces. I have like made a fool of myself in public trying to get someone else's child to calm down and it's worked and it's felt really good and yummy. And then other people are doing it too. And you're like, God, no wonder children all think they're like the center of the world because we treat them like they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then what happens is they get a little older, and at least my generation, I'm Gen X, our parents felt that it was their job. And I, this is, I'm not being like sarcastic. They really had a huge worry that we would all have big egos. And so they felt it was their job to knock us down a peg. And a lot of you who grew up in the 70s and 80s heard, and maybe later, but especially I feel like in the 70s and 80s, heard like, who the hell do you think you are? And I've even heard this with adult friends. Um, I know someone who was starting a business and it was going to be this wellness kind of spa area. And this is someone who came from a very different industry. And we all went to go see their new space and they were showing us with such pride like oh and this is going to be the area where people can sit and just you know relax and have a cup of tea or whatever and these are some of the rooms that they can get services in and then we're all driving back a bunch of friends we're all driving back and this was actually not my friend it was a the, it was everyone else in the group they were friends with this person and someone said 
I just don't get, like, who does he think he is doing this? And I was like, whoa, this is your friend you're talking about. But so many of us were sort of programmed. Like, you don't show pride. You don't, you know, boast about how good you are at something. And you don't reach, I think the phrase used to be beyond your station. And it's such toxic ways of thinking. But we hear it. And if you're a Gen Xer, it may be the thing that um, I like flying under the radar. Brene Brown will talk about it, is she had huge fears. Um, I think it's her second, it is, it's her second TED Talk, where she talks about the shame spiral. And well, it wasn't the shame spiral, it was the vulnerability spiral she had um, after that first video was so huge. It was her TED Talk, the first one she thought was going to hit like, I don't know what she said, like 500 people. And this is back in the day when people didn't really know much about TED Talks. And then it was on YouTube. And it's like, had more than 6 million views. This was, this is like, I don't even know, 10 years ago where she said 6 million views. So who knows how many people have seen it now. But, um, and she was just like, I wanted to just, you know, crawl into bed and just stay there for days because she had such, you know, vulnerability. And I think a lot of us do that in our lives is, and, and so part of that is our family, but the bigger picture is the grind culture telling us we're not enough unless, um, and then, and then, so for my generation is you're not enough unless you have, like, I come from a professional family, unless you have letters behind your name, unless you're making a certain amount of money every year, unless you own like several homes, like there's lots of pressure. And I grew up in a culture like this, but then if you do, you got to do it quietly and not really talk too much about yourself and not like, you know, reach for the brass ring. You got to just kind of do it. And if you're ever excited about your accomplishments, you know, who the hell do you think you are? It's very crazy world, if, especially as a woman. Um, so I love this idea of deprogramming from grind culture, because what this card doesn't say, and she does talk about in the book, is the idea of grind culture is patriarchy and capitalism, white supremacy, anti-blackness, racism, homophobia. It's all the things that tell us we're not enough unless, unless we look a certain way, unless we act a certain way. And um, that's just what we're working on right now. And I love that she's like, throw that out the window. And it does mean deprogramming. It's not going to be easy. And she doesn't say it's easy. In fact, she says the opposite. This is not going to happen overnight. Deprogramming is going to take a lot of time, especially if you're, you know, in your 50s like I am. If you're in your 20s and you're listening to this, you have a lot easier time of some of this. And I think that generation, you guys are a lot easier. It's a lot, what am I trying to say? You're a lot better at seeing it than like Gen Xers. Like we don't always see it. And they're like, oh yeah, look at that. So I am enough now. Rest now. Rest now because you don't have to earn it. Because that's only patriarchy and capitalism that tell you you have to earn it. Anti-blackness. You know, there's a, there's a really common phrase in the black community that lots of people have heard, but it's twice as hard for half as much. We have to work twice as hard for half as much. And 
my generation, not, I don't think we were told that so much, but the generation before me, they were told that you are a black person in the workforce. So you can't just do your job. You got to do twice as much. It's your job to work harder for the next generation. And that's still grind culture. That's anti-blackness. So deprogramming starts with your rest. As you feel rested, you will feel that you are better at being you. You are better at releasing and relaxing and not beating yourself up so much. My anxiety has been, I told someone the other day that my anxiety has been over the top in the worst way the last, like, I don't know, four or five days. And then I was thinking about it when I walked away from the conversation. I said, you know, my anxiety is is not good right now, but it has been much, much worse. It's just that I've spent so much time this year resting and stepping back that I got to this more relaxed place. So now my radar is, I'm not, my baseline is much different. So now I'm not, I'm not, you know, jumping up. I'm not peaking so high when I just get a little bit anxious. I'm like, Ooh, look at that. I'm anxious. Oh no. And before I kind of lived in that space. So I'm noticing my body feels better. Um, I'm able to sleep deeper, which makes a huge difference, but I'm also not clenching my shoulders or my neck so much. I'm able to really relax quite a bit. And then that allows space in my head for some of that deprogramming, some of that, because we're holding so tightly. And I think this is what a lot of people talk about older generations. They're holding so tightly onto the old ways. It's, it's that, it's that feeling like I can't let go because if I do, everything's going to fall apart. Once you let go, then you are able, you have the space to look around and go, okay, nothing fell apart and I'm feeling better. Huh? Let's keep doing more of this. And that's what I've been feeling. Like, I just want to do more of this. I was with someone that um, I love dearly and haven't seen all that much because I've been in Chicago for five months and we were talking about words for next year. I said, yeah, ease was my word for this year. So, you know, and she's like, I've been wondering about it. Like, how do you feel about it? And I said, well, I'm just, I was being facetious is I am actually really grateful for ease because I went into this whole thing with my mom dying, already really focusing on ease and rest. And then it happened. My mom was in the hospital and then she died. And it was very much in my mind that I'm choosing ease this year. So it's when, you know, I would take time and say, okay, I need to walk out of this room. And sometimes I was the only one with her. We, we took shifts. I was the only one with her for a long time. So I would just do laps on her floor. Or, you know, I would say to a nurse, she's sleeping. So I'm going to go outside and get some fresh air. When and if she wakes up. And, you know, if you've been in a hospital with a loved one before, you know, okay, well, she just had her whatever med. So she's going to be out for a while. So, you know, I would kind of plan it around that. And I would just say, I'm going to go sit. And I would sit on a park bench outside of Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago and just look at the blue sky. And there's a place where I could just see a little sliver of the lake. I mean, I could have walked to the lake. It was like two blocks away. But I was like, no, I'm not going to exert any more effort. My choice is ease today. So I'm going to sit on this park bench with hydrangeas all around me and a green space in front of me. And I'm just going to be quiet and be still and rest. And if I hadn't chosen ease, I wouldn't have done those things this year. And so I said to my friend, I said, well, it wasn't easy, 
but there was a lot of ease in it. Because I was already focusing on ease, I, things, I didn't complicate things. Like, you know, I didn't try, the old Melissa would have made it a lot more complicated, a lot more, you know, and I just sort of was like, all right, if this is the thing that's working right now, let's do this. Whether it was schedules with my siblings or meal planning with my, my partner, I'm like, all right, we're, we're eating takeout tonight. No big deal. Whereas old Melissa is like, oh, we can't eat processed food. We can't, you know, there's so many things I had and like ease is like, all right, we're going to do whatever works. And we're just going to take sort of the path of least resistance still staying aligned with my values. But so not, you know, going nuts, but just saying this is what's working for us in this moment. And I have a lot of gratitude for that. Um, So I'm, I'm encouraging you to just this weekend, this next month, five weeks, whatever it is where you might be seeing old friends, family members to remember you are enough right now. And your act your work towards deprogramming from grind culture is to rest and to tell people, hey, you know what? I've been up cooking for four hours and I haven't had anything to eat. So I'm going to sit down right now and I'm going to go ahead and eat. And then I'm going to maybe go for a walk around the block or sit down. And by doing that, we're teaching the next generations. We're taking care of ourselves and we're showing everyone around us. We're going to take care of ourselves. And if they have judgments about it, that's their problem, not yours. And it's not your job to argue with them or to talk them out of it. Just say, taking care of myself is really important to me. And so I'm going to do that right now. And encourage others. We were working yesterday at Sunrise Project. We created the meal. And you know, we, we consistently tell the volunteers, hey, you know what? You've been going now for like three hours. Why don't you sit down and have a cup of water or a cup of coffee or whatever you want and just take a break. Go pee. Um, Because it's really easy, especially in volunteer situations in a kitchen, it's really easy to kind of, anytime you're working together in a kitchen, it's very easy to forget, to eat, to drink, to sit down, to pee. Um, I went home in the middle of the day. I worked three hours. I went home for two hours and went back and worked three hours. And I love being able to do that. And I love that my friend Melissa supports that, encourages it. I try to remind her, hey, When's the last time you had anything to drink? What, have you been sitting down at all? Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And um, you can do that with your family. And so I, I encourage you to really choose that. The last part of every episode is always about what's coming up. Um, so at this moment, my plan, we'll see. I'm going to do some work later this afternoon. My plan is to teach a Saturday morning, 8.30, lay down and roll around yoga class on Zoom. So if you're far away, you can join us. It's 8.30 U.S. Central Time. And then a Monday evening, 8.30. So 8.30 in the morning, Saturday, 8.30 in the evening on Mondays is restorative yoga. And if you've never taken restorative yoga, I'm really pushing that one lately because I had this aha moment, like, I don't know, two weeks ago when I was teaching restorative or I don't know what it was because I've always known restorative is the most healing of yogas. If you are, whatever it is, if you're working on the splits, if you're working on a really active pose, you're just not getting, or not even just not getting, like it's maybe you're starting to work on it. And so you're starting to process it all and do it all. A restorative pose after that work 
is huge. It's going to help it synthesize. It's going to, it's, uh, it's awesome. If you're working on a pose, um, and like, maybe you have some tightness that is not allowing you to get into the pose, working those same muscles in a restorative pose will really help you open to it, help you release and move deeper into the next time you're in a more active practice. Um, If you have a cold, restorative is amazing. If you're feeling anxious or depressed or your PTSD is coming up, a restorative pose can shift you completely. It's just the, it's the most healing way of practicing. And I was like, oh, because we're rusting, because you lay over bolsters and or blankets or sometimes a block and you just hold a pose and you breathe deeply and you release and you let your body sink into it. And it's so delicious, so yummy. And you're rusting. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I not put that together before? And also the first four letters of restorative yoga is rust. So it's this hugely healing practice that I just, I adore. Um, So I'm really encouraging people, especially as we're moving into this darker part of the year, which asks you to turn in on yourself, to really, you know, go deep and listen to um, your heart, just be still. Um, That's, you know, we want to stay connected with the patterns that are happening in nature. So it's such a mindfuck at this time of the year because like it's easy to do in January and February, but November, December can be hard for people because there's so many more activities or all these holiday parties coming up and just activities that, you know, a lot of people don't volunteer the rest of the year, but will volunteer a lot in December, which drives me a little crazy, but it makes their their schedules a little more complicated. Um, and so your schedule gets overwhelmed and it's even more important, I think, to then do a class like restorative because mother nature is asking you to be quiet, to slow down because it's dark. Um, so that's happening on Mondays. And then I think we're going to do a Thursday and I've tried to keep the classes together like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but I'm going to go ahead and mix it up. We'll do a Thursday evening, probably slow flow, probably at 730. That is definitely what's happening this next Thursday. So one week from today, 730 p.m. U.S. Central Time, we'll do slow flow on Zoom. So live yoga. Come like five to 10 minutes early so we can have a moment to chat. And you, I can ask you about how your body's feeling, what you need for the practice. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, I think last episode, once we get to 730, I'm on my mat demonstrating. So I'm not there to let you in from the waiting room. So get on Zoom, get in to the, to the, the class space at like, 725, 722. And then we have a moment to connect because that connection is really important. It's part of our practice just as much as being on the mat. And I think that's all I'm going to teach until um, January. And we'll see what happens in January. I think maybe I'm just adding some in-person classes, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, And I'm going to take some time off between, between sessions this year. Uh, I did this a couple of years ago is I would teach for like four weeks and then take a week off. And I'm going to go back to doing that. I don't know what sessions will look like. I'm kind of leaning towards six weeks on and then two weeks off. And I'll still do privates during those two weeks, I think. And I'll still do pop-ups, but just not a regularly scheduled class. So with this smaller schedule, this lighter schedule, if you are feeling like you'd like 
something different, please text 785-760-5412. And I'm happy to do a pop-up. In fact, this Thursday class coming up is a pop-up. And it's someone that I know if I offer that class will come consistently. And I thought, well, a lot of people don't don't hate that time slot. They they were pretty happy with 7.30 in the evening. So I thought, that let's try that one. Let's go back to a Thursday evening class. So that's coming up. December 3rd is our community potluck. It's our last Sunday of the year. So we always meet first Sunday of the year. And I'm kind of thinking of switching that up next year, maybe doing second Sunday. But for right now, we're still doing first Sunday, December 3rd. And it's going to be holiday potluck. So if you've got a recipe you're wanting to try out before you serve it for a family meal, uh, it's a great time to do that. If you just, you know, are kind of craving something, especially if it's something you like, but your family doesn't, if you're craving something that you want, your grandma's whatever, bring it. And what we do is we always make a little extra. So potluck serving plus some so that we can box it up and share it with um, people in need in our community. So I hope you'll join us. If you want to join us, go ahead and text me 785-760-5412. Let me know um, and I'll share my, my home address with you. And we're doing hats from the heart. So if you are um, someone who likes to knit or crochet, this is a great time to share your skill and your passion with other people. I know some of you get really obsessed about it and you're sort of like, well, who else can I give stuff to? Because you are crocheting or knitting really consistently and you're like, all right, well, I already gave like everyone I know a hat. I've given most people like, you know, whatever. Um, and I can't make myself one more thing. This is a great time to do that is you can share with me. I'm happy to pick up your donations. What we do is our Yogi Kitchen community shares our hats from the heart with people in need. So I always have hats and some other things, socks and things in my car. So as I'm driving, if I see someone, um, especially if it's someone I know that's unhoused, I will pull over and say, hey, David, you don't have a hat on. I have one in my car. Do you need one? And I've never had anyone turn me down. So it's wonderful when they're homemade. But if you're not someone who crochets or um, knits, you are welcome to buy. And um, I will pick them up or you can drop them off at my house. My house is kind of chaos right now. I haven't been here for five months. And I brought home three new animals who are kind of wrecking havoc. And my partner told me, I can't see this because I have an eyesight problem, but my partner told me the the cobwebs in the basement are kind of intense. So there's just a lot of stuff to do right now. And I haven't put up the donation bin yet. I'm going to get to it. And I'm also wanting to find a different answer. Um, the other thing, if you're in the Lawrence community, if you want to just take it to Sunrise, the other place we share those hats or scarves or gloves, um, keep them in my car. There's a bin in my car at all times, but there's also a file cabinet now at at uh, Share the Warmth is their program at Sunrise. And so it's on their front porch pantry at 1501 Learnard. And um, you can throw hats in a file cabinet drawer and they're all labeled. And then you can also throw coats on um, hangers that are that are available there. And I think we are need some, some new hangers. So if you have hangers you don't need, we'll take those. I um, am working on my donation closet right now. If you or anyone you know needs clothes, we don't have a lot of winter clothes. I have some. 
um, I'm happy to share those. And I think that's kind of all that's going on right now. In January, we'll do Burning Bull. We're going to do, I think we're going to do a January retreat. I'm, I'm flipping back and forth about that one. Um, and we're going to do a six-week challenge in January. I don't know what to call it yet, but it's just about getting back to ourselves. So the things that I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm trying to hydrate more. I'm trying to at least get out and walk the dog, if not get to the gym. I was excited this morning. I thought, oh, maybe I'll go to the gym today. And I was like, oh, yeah, everything's closed. Um, get back to the gym, get on the mat, um, whatever it is. Uh, like I probably need to uh, get a couple supplements. I'm not a big believer in supplements, but I feel like if you know you need it, like I am iron deficient, um, then it's perfectly fine to take it. Just to take it for the heck of it, though, doesn't make sense to me. Um, especially since research has shown that the supplement industry is like a billion dollar scam. Like most people who are taking supplements are either not needing them or don't absorb them. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it's, I, I think it's mostly an American thing. So anyway, um, but there are a couple that I wanted to do and I was like, okay, let me go ahead and, and get back on iron. Cause I haven't been as good the last five months about making sure I'm getting enough iron every meal. Um, so we'll do that six week challenge. And then I'm not really sure what the year looks like, but those are the things that are, that are on my radar right now. I hope you're having a fantastic Thursday, whether you're celebrating or not, whether you're in town or out of town, I've got an empty house, a whole day stretched out in front of me. I'm super excited about having this, this weekend, regardless of the fact that I don't celebrate. So, um, join us. Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m., lay down and roll around yoga. Everyone can do this class. You can even do it on your bed. Have a good one.